so back in Matthew 24, uh, where we've been for some time, just to start and read the first few verses from that chapter. And then we're going to come on down and uh, Brother Register and Brother Bob really set me up for tonight because they preached on what I was going to preach on next. So they helped me out quite significantly. And uh, both of them did tr a tremendous job. Uh, I, I love both of them and uh, we'll send those recordings out to the group. But in verse one, it says, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, see you not all these things. Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat up on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us when these things shall be, what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And we'll just stop right there uh, in, in that. But going on down here into verse. Oh, let me see. Verse 34. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be accomplished. This generation shall not pass away till all these things be accomplished. And a note I wrote is if we thought this way, that everything Jesus said here was based upon this generation, we could probably find it in the scripture. The challenge is most or many believers do not think that way. So they're looking outside at a future date for all these things to be fulfilled. But Jesus said, this generation shall not pass away to all these things be fulfilled. So all these things are the things that he said in regards to the destruction of the temple. So everything there was going to be fulfilled, everything. And God's people need to understand this. Why do they need to understand this? Why do they need to get a hold of, it? you know, because we're in a victorious, victorious place in Christ. And we should be delivering the message of the Lord from this victorious place rather than pending doom. And many are looking for pending doom rather than declaring the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ over all enemies, over everything. So that's why we need to really get a hold of this. Well, there's many reasons. The fact that the Lord said it should be enough. <laughs> if, if Jesus said something, we probably should understand it. It's probably given to us to know to understand. So, And we should give our hearts to know and understand it. So 
when I start looking at this generation, I, I can go backwards to chapter 23. There's a lot of people want to put th this generation in the future. But if I just go to Matthew 23 and start at verse 29, I'm going to let you get there tonight, or try to, because I have everything laid out. So verse 29, 23 says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous. And say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, you be witnesses unto yourselves that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill you up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you will you shall kill and crucify, and some of them you shall scour, scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. That upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stoneth them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. So I don't have to go back very far from Matthew 24 to see that Jesus said, in another place, everything was going to come up on this generation. And here in chapter 23, he calls the Pharisees and scribes a generation of vipers. So why we push this out into the future, or believers do this, is I believe it's because they're verse-minded. It's what they've been taught, but they're also verse-minded. What I mean by that is people memorize verses. And they don't necessarily study what's before and what's after. Now, if I study what's before 24, I see Jesus dealing with generation multiple times in the book of Matthew. So. If he's calling the scribes and Pharisees a generation of vipers here, and then we're going to go back to a couple other places in Luke 7, which is also Matthew 11, Luke 7, 24. He says, and when the messengers of John were departed, he began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, what went out you in the wilderness to behold, a reed shaken with the wind? But what went you out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that are gorgeously 
appareled and live delicately are in king's courts. But what went you out to see a prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face who shall prepare thy way before thee. I say unto you, among them that are born of, of woman, there is none greater than John. Yet he that is but little in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people, when they heard and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected for themselves the counsel of God being not baptized of him. Whereunto shall I liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? They are like children that sit in the marketplace and call one to another who say, we piped unto you, and you did not dance. We welled, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread nor drinking wine, and you say he had the demon. The son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say, behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, and wisdom is justified of her children. So here we go. Where will I liken the men of this generation? What are they like? They didn't hear. That's, that's what he's, he's saying. They, they were piped to, and they didn't dance. They were called. They didn't hear the prophets. They didn't hear the Lord. They didn't hear the time. They didn't believe what God said. It's, it's all through the gospel. Matthew 12, Matthew 12, 33 says, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now, now isn't this interesting? Just going to stop here for a minute. By thy words, you shall be justified. The word, Paul would write in Romans 10, the word of faith is nigh thee. The word of faith which we preach is in thy heart and in thy mouth. These are the words that justify the word of faith. You're judged righteous in Christ. If any man hath not the Son, he's none of his. In, you, you know, it's, it's in the scripture, what judges you, Jesus said, are, is what the words I speak, they'll judge you in the last day. What's judging us today? Is it the law of Moses? What's judging us is not believing on the name of the Son of God, okay? Or believing on the name of the Son of God. He that hath the Son has life. He that hath not the Son has not life. So with the mouth, 
Confession is made unto salvation. So, so this is what I begin to see as I read this uh, scripture. How the mouth judges them is they're not confessing his name. They didn't believe in him. They're not declaring him. And he calls them a generation of vipers. Okay. Then he goes on down here and he says, then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered saying, master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign and there shall be no sign given to it. Now here's an evil and an adulterous generation. So, so you have a generation of vipers. You have an adulterous generation. You have a wicked generation coming on down here into verse 45 of this same chapter, 1245. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Now, if I look at this, and like I said, go back to Matthew 24, and this generation shall pass away. There, this generation shall not pass away to all these things be fulfilled. Like I said, Matthew 23, you, you know, here it is again, the generation. All these things shall come up on this generation. And Jesus speaking to them that they are a evil and adulterous generation, a generation of vipers, a wicked generation. And then in Matthew 17, Matthew 17, 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falleth into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to the disciples and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. The child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus' part and said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible to you, howbeit this kind goeth out, not by out but by prayer and fasting. So here you have a faithless and perverse generation. So here, this generation, Jesus is speaking to. If I study the scripture, would appear to be the Jews. If I study the scripture. Now that's the catch. If I study the scripture. So if I go and look at the Gospels and see that Jesus called them an adulterous generation, then in my mind, when I meet, 
read Matthew 24, I shouldn't be saying, well, this generation he's talking about is out here in the future. Should I? No, not if I'm studying the Gospels. If I'm studying, I should be seeing that he's speaking to them. And we've said it here in this meeting that Jesus declared this in approximately 40 years later, the destruction of the temple came. Not a stone was left upon another. That that generation was taken off the earth. Now, I, I know that came up on the Jew, but I believe to a certain degree the cross comes upon all mankind. You know, we have an idea to a certain degree we escape. We escape that. No, we don't escape the cross. See, see we come into the cross and are saved. Because at the cross, judgment is made upon all mankind, not just to the Jew. It's made to us, too. It's just that the cross, if, if the cross is doing its work in me, it's removing the old man, the nature, the character, the man of sin is being destroyed. See, he's still destroying the old man. The old man doesn't come through the cross. He's still coming to death. He's still put away. You know, this happened literally to the Jews. Well, by the working of the Spirit of God, this happens in our heart. What happened literally is a work of the Spirit of God. When you come to Christ, this cross separates the old and the new. It does away with the generation, and I, I believe this is me, not saying I, I, I necessarily have scripture to support this, but I, I believe that what happened to the Jews represented all mankind. You know, we think that, you know, this just happened to the Jews. Well, it literally happened to the Jews because God was in covenant with the Jews. But there's an idea in the, I think in, in some of the movements in the earth today that this didn't happen but to them. And I, and I want to say, no, you come to the Lord. He's going to work in your heart and remove the old man. The old man isn't going to appear in his glory. The old man's not going to come forth. The wicked and perverse generation's not coming through the cross. You know, God looked at the heart of man. <clears throat> according to the scripture in the days of Noah, he said the heart was extremely wicked. They were doing all the imaginations of their heart. And there's something about us today that I think we don't want to believe that's really what man is. Detestable. You know, you know when you start reading about detestable things in the Old Testament, you know, the people going after detestable things, well, it's because their hearts are detestable. Okay? It's not just because there's detestable things. So the working of the cross is a work 
that comes upon our hearts, just like the destruction in Jerusalem. It comes to remove the old man, to remove his mind. Unless you lose your life, you shall not find life. Now, that's what Jesus said. That's not a popular message today. <laughs> that's not real popular that he said we were going to lose life. Now, he also said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. But the life that he was talking about losing was the soul life, our self-life, man life, what I think. And the life that we gain is his life, a new mind, a new nature, a new understanding. And when we begin to see that, we become willing for the work of the cross to happen in our hearts. So, so I, I believe this whole thing in, in Israel was a result of the work of the cross. Jesus died and they wouldn't receive him because this would have been the work in their heart, but it came upon them. As many as received him gave he the power to become the sons of God. And that was... You know, that's ongoing today. We have the authority and power to become the sons of God. But when John said that, you know, that was again in that generation, in that time period, as many as received him. They all didn't receive him. They all didn't believe the word. And it's, and it's like that with man today. Every man isn't believing the word of God. And it's, through believing the word of God, this is a covenant, you, you know, this is a covenant that's made. He that believes in me, you know, he's the word of God. And, and he that believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's his life. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And that's what we gain is his life. And so, so I look at this whole destruction and I see just something powerful here because all the, I'm trying to move beyond this, but I, I, don't, I don't think I can. I'm wanting to go somewhere else. I've got a whole bunch I want to share with you and I may have to, to do it in two uh, sessions as I'm going to do it in one. But we are so caught up with, with how do I say this? Saving ourselves that the that we miss he is our salvation he is our salvation and the cross is the tool that separates ourself from him it's the tool of circumcision of the heart that's why the cross has to be taught and preached and applied to the heart because the heart has to be circumcised. The old man has to be cut away. Brother Register said other night as he was speaking that the old had to be removed before the new come. And that was literally what happened. But see, the work of that has to happen in the heart. That's why 
I say, yes, this is, this is done. This is finished. This work has been done. And, and I hear people saying, well, this is just historical. And I want to say, no, no, no. This work that was done historically has to happen in your heart. Because man, the old man, has to be removed. And he's removed by the sword of the Spirit. He's removed by the Word of God. He takes away what's beautiful in the Lord. So he doesn't just take away. He takes away and he establishes. Real quick, to show 40 years, and then I, I want to say a couple of the things on the establishing part. But in, in the book of Hebrews, Three verses eight through eleven. The Bible reads, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation, like as in the day of the trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by proving me and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was displeased with this generation and said, They do always err in their heart. But they did not know my ways. As I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now, this is from the uh, book of Numbers, the book of Deuteronomy. And I won't read Numbers, uh, but I'll give you this, the uh, chapter and verse 32, 13. Speaks of them wandering 40 years to that generation was done away with till it was consumed. And then it's in Deuteronomy 1, and, in, and I want to read part of Deut Deuteronomy 1, uh, verse 32, says, Yet in this thing you did not believe Jehovah your God, who went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents, in fire by night to show you by what way you should go, and in the cloud by day. And Jehovah heard the voice of your words and was wroth and swear, saying, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see the good land, which I swear to give unto your fathers. What? <laughs> they did not believe Jehovah their God. So the reason they didn't enter into the rest, the reason they didn't go into the promised land, is they didn't believe. They tried the Lord. And, and to go back and look at it, it's significant. God brought them out of Egypt, all the plagues of Egypt. He showed his great power. He showed his strength. Then he brought them into the wilderness, brought them through the Red Sea, brought them into the wilderness, fed them, clothed, you know, made sure their clothes lasted. He was a father to them. And he told them, he gave them this land. And all the way through the scripture, you can read that they did not believe the Lord. Now, you come back into what we've just read about they've been piped to, they've been spoken to, and they wouldn't dance. John came declaring the Christ, declaring the way of the Lord, just like the prophets declare. Just like the prophets declare. He come baptizing, 
in the wilderness. Make the ways of the Lord straight. So he comes declaring, just like the prophets declared, and the scribes and Pharisees, the experts of the scriptures, supposed to be the experts of the scripture, they don't believe the word of God. You realize that? They don't believe the word of God. And what, what did they begin to do to Jesus when Jesus begins to heal the sick, when Jesus begins to raise the dead? I said this uh, maybe last time I spoke, maybe some time back, when, they, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, what did they want to do to Lazarus? They wanted to kill him. They didn't want to come in and say, hey, look, this guy has been ra raised from the dead. Let's Let's glorify the Lord. No, they came in and wanted, they wanted to kill him. Why they wanted to kill him was because people were believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. So their power and authority was being taken away in Israel. And the mindset was if they could get rid of him, then they could just go about their own ways. So, so here. What did they do? They did not believe. They didn't believe or they rejected one or the other, maybe both. They rejected the prophets. They rejected that one was going to come and heal the sick and the lame was going to walk and blind eyes were going to see. Well, well that was demonstrated throughout Jerusalem. So this generation shall not pass to all these things be fulfilled. You read John 6. Jesus feeds the multitude. The multitude followed him, what, across the sea or across the lake? To gather into him, and he feeds them. And then he tells them, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they begin asking, well, what sign do you show us? I mean, I mean, surely if someone had just fed a multitude with a few loaves of bread and a few fishes, that would have been sign enough. And maybe we would have instead said, what do you mean eat your flesh and drink your blood? Instead of that being a hard saying. They didn't believe. Or they hardened their heart to it. So, so the rejection that was there in the land was they were not believing the Lord. I want to believe him in everything. I absolutely do. I want him to take my mind and my heart and make it a believer. I mean everything. I don't think anything's impossible for God. Nothing's impossible for God. Not on the natural realm, not in the spiritual realm. There's just nothing impossible. We are dealing with the Almighty God who is now living in us to give us his divine nature. In fact, it says he's already done that, that he's given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. What if we heard that? I mean, we've read that. But let's hear that. If, if I have all things that pertain to life and godliness, wouldn't I seek them out? 
Wouldn't I become desirous of them? That's what he's given us. A walk to live in his nature. A walk to live in his mind. Now, to me, that's worth my old man being taken away. See, to me, that's worth the cross. Because what God gives us in place of our mind of doubt and our hearts of fear is he gives us his very own heart, his very own mind. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So to me, it's worth the cross. Hallelujah. Now, as I look at this generation that was being taken away, I, I, I just want to bring your minds for just a few moments to a generation that was coming forth. He takes away and he establishes in the book of Peter. The book of Peter. First Peter 2. Says, if you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, verse 3, 1 Peter 2, 3. To whom coming, as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. You as lively stones. We've tasted he's a living stone. And now we're lively stones. We're built up in what we've tasted. Man, that is awesome. And we are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, also is contained in the scriptures, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient the stone, which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone is stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who've called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You are a chosen generation. Now, where does this come from? Your chosen generation. I want you to flip back to Psalms 22. Psalms 22. And as we're flipping back there, I want to read you this. Peter brings into view in our coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, the stone laid in Zion, the spiritual temple, a chosen generation, the priesthood, a holy nation. All of this pertained to Israel in the old covenant before the cross. Now it is found in Christ. You find God's peculiar people here in Christ. In the old covenant, Jehovah declared, they shall be my people and I will be their God. Now we see his people in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is how we're peculiar. We're his. We're his seed. That's how we're peculiar people. We're not of the world. We're of him. We're lively stones because he's a living stone. We're built up in him. But Psalms 22 and 30, your chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Here's where the chosen generation. Look at Psalms 22, 30. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. 
they shall they shall declare his righteousness. They shall come and declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born that he had done this. What are we doing? We're declaring his righteousness to a people. We're saying he has done this. He has perfected us. He has made us righteous. A seed shall serve him. Now, to get a hold of this, put this together in the book of Matthew 1. I won't read all the generations, but I'll, it would take some time, but you can. In Matthew chapter 1, it tells you in verse 17, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David into the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now, if I count that, take my time and count it, I will only count 41. The reason, and people will say if they are atheists, for example, they'll say, see, the Bible's an error. No. There are 42 generations in Christ. There's Jesus Christ and then Christ in the church. That's the 42nd generation. A seed shall serve him and be counted for a generation. You're the generation of the Lord. You're the 42nd generation. The church is his body, the fullness of him. That's the generation. That's number 42. It's the eternal generation. Now Galatians 3. Galatians chapter 3. Says what? Galatians 3.16. Here's the seed. Now to Abraham were the promises spoken into his seed. He saith not into seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So here's the seed the promises were made to, who is Christ. Then verses 26 through 29. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ. There can be neither Jew nor Greek. There can be neither bond nor free. There can be no male and no female, for you are all one man in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Here's the seed. A seed shall serve him. If you are Christ, if you belong to him, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Huh. So, we, we, we talk about what we are. You're Abraham's seed. Sons of God. Heirs according to the promise. You're Christ. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Now, flip back to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Verses, I don't know. It will start verse 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment 
and who shall declare his generation? Now, what a question. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his land. He shall see in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant Justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide with him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he had poured out his soul into death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bared the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. But look, look at the question. Who shall declare his generation? You. This, this is you. First Peter 1, 3 and 4. First Peter 1, 3 and 4. Blessed or blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy beget us unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, unto an, an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away. Reserve held in heaven for you. All that of Christ is reserved for you. Held at the right hand of the Father. Where's Jesus? Where's the Bible say seated? At the right hand of the Father. All authority and powers given to him. All of this that Christ has obtained is held. For you. See, what's sad is when we read scriptures like that, many times we go to the natural mind and we start saying, well, all these wonderful things are up in heaven for me. But what I believe he's talking about is the uncorruptible inheritance. The same thing Peter says, that God has given us all things pertaining to life and government. It's reserved in heaven. Why is it reserved in heaven? Because Jesus overcome death. Jesus overcome hell. He overcome the nature of Adam. He overcome mankind. He took it upon himself and he overcome. Why did he do that? He already was not that. Why did he do that? So you and I could inherit it. That's why he did that. So we could be inheritors of what he's done to express him. Now, the joy of that is we inherit what he's done. We inherit what he is. And God gets glory because we express him and not ourselves. We come and declare him. That's, that's the answer to Isaiah. Who shall declare his generation? Those born of his spirit. Those who are his seed. Born, as Peter says, of incorruptible seed. Born of incorruptible seed, 
that we may inherit that of incorruption. And that of incorruption is Christ. We're putting on him. Paul said we've already put him on. We're coming to understand him. This is the generation of the Lord. A people raised from the dead. A people that doesn't identify with the old man because the old man's removed. A people that's living in the life of God here on the earth. That's who we are. That's the church, which is his body, the fullness of him. A people living in his life. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Well, John 3, 1 Peter chapter 1. Yeah, I, I add these scriptures down to 1 Peter 1, 22 through 25, and John 3, being born again. And it deals with the same thing in both of these. A people born by the word of God. A people born by the spirit of God. A people growing up into the knowledge of him. So who shall declare his generation? See, that generation where we started passed away. And another one comes forth. But honey, every time someone's born again, this work's done in the heart. The old man is taken away. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of his death. That's the power of his burial. That's the power of his resurrection. A new man comes forth. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I'll stop right here tonight. May God richly bless you and thank you for your time. Amen.